Welcome to Leading Forward, where we focus on building healthy leaders for healthy organizations. I'm Matthew Hall, and on this week's Leadership Checkpoint, I want to talk to you about trust. Trust, it's something that we haven't talked a lot about on these series of checkpoints, but it's actually really, really important. It's so important, in fact, I would argue that it's the very essence of healthy leadership. You remove everything else, cut it all away, and what are you left with at the core of healthy leadership? I think it's about trust. The reality is if you are not trustworthy, you are not leading or you won't be leading for long. We know within our own homes, within our own organizations, within our lives, don't we? We are wired to want to follow trustworthy leaders. So what can you do to build, to cultivate, to strengthen trust, and yes, even recover and rebuild trust when it's been broken? I want to give you four practical words of encouragement in this regard. And again, let me reiterate, this is not something that I've mastered. Far from it. Most of what you're going to hear from me here is something that I've learned from my own failures and from my own mistakes and from watching other imperfect leaders. So four words of encouragement. First and foremost, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Now, you'd think this would go without saying for especially Christian leaders. But if you know yourself, if you have some self-awareness, I suspect you know firsthand how easy it is to slip into a sort of shading of the truth. Maybe it's not outright bald-faced lying. If that's your problem, then please get out of leadership. Maybe it's not the pathological kind of, of deceit and dishonesty, but we are all familiar, aren't we, with the temptation of spinning the truth, or shading it just enough to mislead. So how do you know if this is a problem? Well, let me let me suggest, if you're not in the room and the people you work with, either your boss or your peers on your, on your team or the people that you manage, if they know that when you say something, they have to kind of run it through a grid because, yeah, you know, she's kind of prone to exaggeration or, yeah, he tends to spin things to suit his own version of the story. That's a huge warning for any leader. The people who work with you, the people who serve alongside you, they have to be able to count on you being a trustworthy truth teller. No caveats, no exceptions. You are only trustworthy insofar as you're truthful. So can others say that about you? Second, say I'm sorry. If you're going to lead, you better get used to those words. You're going to say them a lot. I'm Sorry. Why is that? Because leadership is often about disappointing people. That might surprise you, but a lot of leadership comes with disappointing people and letting them down. Now, it might be a mistake you've made personally, a failure of judgment. As a leader, you thought it was going to be the right way to go with plan A for your organization, but circumstances changed. Your plan was proven the wrong plan, and now the consequences are starting to hit, and they're affecting real people. And you've got to say, I'm sorry, I did not see this happening, but it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. Or hard decisions that have to come and cause real difficulty for people in your organization. The reality is we also, in any organization, no matter the size or the complexity, we are people working with other people. And you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have these little relational abrasions. 
you're going to sin, to use Christian language here, against your colleagues. And in those moments, you have to let go of the urge to justify yourself and rationalize what you've done and quickly seek to make amends on this. For some reason, I'm sorry is one of the most difficult sentences for some leaders to say. You'll just never hear them say that. And I wonder if that's you, then you should be alarmed. It's a warning light. Learn to say I'm sorry quickly and humbly, and you're going to see a lot of fruit from it in the long term. Third, own your failures and share your successes. I wonder if you've ever worked with or for someone who is really quick to take credit for any success within the organization, but when it comes to failure, they run from it. We all know that type of personality, don't we? Why are the sales up this quarter? Well, it's the CEO or the vice president, right? Well, why are sales down the next quarter? Well, not the leader, of course, right? It has to be those in the marketing department or wherever else. I wish I could tell you that that kind of leadership is only found in kind of the most remote narcissistic corners of corporate America, but it actually is a real problem in so many contexts, whether that's in companies, nonprofits, and yeah, even in Christian ministries. Leading well, leading as healthy leaders means we don't deflect blame. In fact, we often are going to have to take responsibility as leaders, responsibility for things that happen on our watch, things that happen not as a result of direct decisions we made, but they were decisions made by people that we manage, that we lead. And again, they happen on our watch. If you take responsibility for those moments, here's what happens actually. Loyalty and trust go up. It seems counterintuitive, but you build trust when you take responsibility. If you fail to take responsibility, if you're always pointing the finger at people that work for you, well, you're pretty quickly going to find the best talent on your team is going to be looking for jobs somewhere else. Take responsibility, own your failures, and share your successes. Fourth, learn the difference between responsibility and possessiveness. Responsibility possessiveness. Now, there's a subtle but dangerous difference. And if you get this wrong, it will significantly undermine trust. Leading, yes, means you will have to take ultimate responsibility for goals, strategy, personnel, and so many other facets of your organization. It means, for example, often being the first one to arrive and the last one to leave. You don't have the luxury of just checking out. You have to be responsible. But here's the caution. Beware of confusing a wise sense of responsibility with a sense of possessiveness. Here's one example, one way you might see the difference. We might be tempted to speak in first-person singular categories when we should be speaking in plural. What do I mean by that? I'll be very specific. The people you work with, for example, especially those who serve under your leadership, aren't your people or my team and so on. Christian leaders, healthy leaders, recognize that those within our organization are made in God's image. And so our ultimate ambition as leaders is to leverage our authority and our influence so that they will flourish. That means, by the way, when you find this distinction, responsible leaders are far less defensive, far less thin-skinned, But when criticized, a possessive leader, how do they respond? Mostly with defensiveness. They lash back. 
and try to justify or defend themselves. Or when a different course of action is proposed, a possessive leader takes it personally because the original idea is their idea and they can't let go of it. It's wrapped up in their identity. When a team member leaves for another organization or another opportunity, the possessive leader sees it as a sign or a betrayal of loyalty. A possessive leader will kill trust, fight it, and learn the difference between responsibility and possessiveness. I hope these four words of encouragement are helpful to you in whatever your role, whatever your organization, as you seek to build, cultivate, strengthen, and yes, even restore trust when it's been broken. This has been a Leadership Checkpoint. You can find all of our past episodes at leadingforwardpodcast.com. While you're there, rate and review, share it with a friend, and help us get out the word. I'm Matthew Hall. I'll see you next time.